Hello, before we get started on today's episode, just a few quick announcements, and those are, yes, there will be spoilers in this episode covering the 2021 Suicide Squad, so if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest pausing this, watching the movie, coming back, listening to it, because we have a lot to say, we go into a lot of deep dives and fun conversations, and yes, sticky note theories are back, so if you are interested in my sticky note theories, then you can stick around and listen to that, and there's plenty in store for you today. Second note is that we hit 727 listens. We did hit 700 listens like a week and a half ago, but recording software doesn't seem to want to work at two o'clock in the morning when I usually finish editing. So I'm sorry that I haven't said thank you sooner, but thank you all so much for your continual support of the show. Honestly, seeing how much you guys enjoy our content and seeing the number grow really helps me be motivated to both watch all these movies, edit and do a bunch of research. And it really does help all of us out. And we really appreciate you supporting the show in the way that you guys have. So thank you all from the bottom of our hearts, from everyone here at Cinematic Rewind Studios. Thank you for all your support, whether you've listened to one episode ever or you listen to every single episode we put out. The people that listen to every single episode, you have a special place in my heart. Thank you. Final note being is that next week, September the 29th, we will not have a new episode being released due to me moving apartments. I'm not going to be able to edit a new episode while I'm moving, so we will resume our weekly episodes on October the 6th, so you will see new content from us on October the 6th. Meanwhile, there are 30 plus episodes for you to go listen to if you enjoy our content. So if you haven't listened to one, go check them out. We have 30 plus episodes available right now, but we will see you all back on October the 6th. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's get on with this show. Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about Suicide Squad is Cookie. Hey, what up everybody? And Regent. This is the 2016 episode, right? No. So, we're actually going to talk about the better one, which is from 2021, and I love this movie, so I can't wait to get going, but before we do that, I'm just going to read off some scores here. Suicide Squad, which was released in 2021, it has a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 72 on Metacritic, and does not look like it has an IMDb rating for some reason, but that's okay. I thought this movie was phenomenal. Just, I watched it as soon as it was available on HBO Max, and I loved it thoroughly. I was very surprised. I did not have the highest of expectations for a Suicide Squad movie after the 2016 version, but it was James Gunn, so I had to give it a try. So what did you guys think? Just initial off the bat thoughts. I mean, for me, coming from his background, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy, I really did think there was going to be some kinship to that series in this movie. And there definitely was some bits and pieces thrown into it. But at least in the grand schemes of all the DCU movies, live action wise, not animated, that's a whole different topic. This is definitely one of the better one, if not one of the best ones that have come out in recent memory. 
And my history with a lot of the DC Extended Universe movies, I've been very disappointed. So when this one was announced, I saw a little bit of the trailers, but I definitely was going to wait till it was released and I heard everyone's reaction to it. And I was definitely surprised at how strong of a 180 it was compared to the 2016 version. So I immediately went to watch it and thoroughly enjoyed it. The same way as Venture is that it was a great surprise and I am definitely excited to talk about it as well. I love this movie so much. I've seen it four times now, and I can't wait to get my hands on like a 4K copy because King Shark is the best. I love King Shark so much. Clarification. I am not on that level. <laughs> I've seen it once and probably will get a 4K copy at some point. Yeah, and I'm going to be with, I'm on Cookie's page. I've seen it once and I will definitely be getting a 4K copy. I definitely want to try to use it in some capacity in my work environment. Yeah, I want to try and get the Best Buy Steelbooks because Best Buy has some killer steelbooks for some movies. Some of them, not so great, but most of them are really amazing. Yeah, it all depends on if Best Buy, Target, or Walmart are throwing more money at the movie studios for a certain rendition of steelbook covers for the collectors. Yeah, I buy most of my Marvel movies, the 4K steelbook from Best Buy. This movie actually is the second highest rated DCEU film, directly behind Wonder Woman from 2017. This one has a 91, Wonder Woman has a 93. The next closest thing to it, I believe, is the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League that came out this year as well, and that has like a 70, and beneath that's Aquaman, and then it just drops to like 50, and then after that it's like 20s. It, it, it gets bad real quick no surprise it's uh dc they they make some great animated movies but when it comes to the live action which i think you might could also argue if how much wb has an impact on it and that's still also another confusing thing to me too because i think it's warner media now or something like that they've they've had some changes happen but to the point though there is a definitely whole, totally different group behind the live action films. It's just nice that I feel like this time around, which I know we'll dive deeper into, is that they allowed the director from the get-go to have a lot of control. Whereas like with Zack Snyder, he would have to do a lot of convincing, as we saw with the recent Snyder cut, take years to allow him to get a lot closer to his vision. So it, it's showing to prove that it's smart to let the director that you've put trust and all that money up front to spend to actually also direct and edit the film as they see fit. Yeah. I think it definitely pays off when you allow the director to have control over their vision of a film, as we saw with the Snyder Cut and with this film, and as we saw a little bit with Wonder Woman, it got a little botched there at the end. But I think for DC's sake, they need to stop, or at least the studio needs to stop interfering with the movie and trying to make it like Marvel because their characters are very different. Sure, some of them might be copy-paste from each other, but their style of movies, their style of characters how they interact with one another, very different from Marvel, and they shouldn't try and copy the Marvel formula because it's not going to work. They tried that with Justice League and it was bad. Yeah, I think they need to, as a studio, continue the path that they've recently been doing, which is letting each director kind of take on their own charge, especially with a entity such as Aquaman is actually done pretty well commercially wise, even if the ratings isn't super high. It kind of fits for the audience that it was meant to be. And it's already got a sequel that's already being filmed right now. You could also say Wonder Woman is a successful franchise. I know there's a challenge about the second one. But that's a whole different debate. Listen to that podcast on that one if you want more information. Recently, Suicide Squad, this is really proving to kind of just let them do their own thing and not stress about, oh, they got to all come together and do an Avengers style movie. Yeah. 
I can totally agree. I don't think the Disney Marvel formula works for DC. And I really think their independent films work a lot better. Because I saw Birds of Prey. And while that wasn't a great movie, it was still enjoyable. And it just, the only tie that it had to any other movie was that Harley Quinn knew Joker. And that was the only tie it had to Suicide Squad. And it was just its own thing. The director got to do what they wanted. And yeah, sure, it wasn't the greatest, but it was fun. And I think that's what they need to do more of. But I want to ask both of you guys, if you had to highlight a reason why this Suicide Squad worked better than the 2016 version, what would you say it was? And I'll go to you first, Regent. The director, easiest way I can put it, given the James Gunn and letting him take the reins and run with it compared to the previous Suicide Squad movie, but also adding different characters that, depending on your comic book knowledge of the Suicide Squad, you had members that were part of like the second, third, fourth, even fifth iteration of the squad being put together. So it was not all the original first generation of Suicide Squad. So it was nice to branch all those iterations into one group, the actors and actresses behind them that were able to bring those characters life and their personalities that come through back and forth throughout the movie that charm to it i do want to jump on that real quick because apparently david ayer i for, if i butchered the last name i am so sorry to you dc fans or to you personally mr ayer if you're listening to this podcast for some particular reason but apparently a very similar situation happened with him that happened to Zack snyder and justice league where the studio wanted something a bit more marvel so they copied basically a guardians of the galaxy type vibe and it just didn't work they forced the guardians vision onto a film and it didn't work for them and it actually there's a huge following for people basically begging for his original version of Suicide Squad to come out like they did with the Justice League movie. So I don't know if it's exactly the director's fault because apparently there's a lot more to the 2016 Suicide Squad that we've never seen. Apparently there's enough for a whole nother movie that we've never seen. And I don't know if it's necessarily 100% fair just to pin it on the director and not the studio interfering to try and make it something that it wasn't meant to be. Well, and WB is known for pushing hard PG-13s. They don't want to trend into the R rating because they're trying to be a family-oriented company. Yeah, but we've seen success with these past few DC films where they're R-rated and they've actually done really well. But that's more modern day than 2016. But Cookie, what about you? How do you think that this movie squares up against the 2016 version? I'm very happy I was able to come in after you guys pretty much explain that piece because that's a lot where I was going to go. Now to move further into that talk, I definitely feel like the biggest factor is allowing a director to be able to make what they they envision, first of all, and the studio taking a, a less control over things because it's kind of hard to say if the Ayer cut, as they, they kind of coined it now, if that was going to really be a bad movie as well. Kind of hard to say because I was keeping up with that movie because at that time I was still giving DC my money to watch some of their movies. I was definitely shaky because there was definitely some stuff, Batman versus Superman, a couple things that leading up to Suicide Squad, I was definitely like, this this is your last chance, y'all. I'll, I'll give this a try. And I started getting worried and unfortunately it proved to be right when talks was already talking about, oh, there's reshoots. Uh, reshoots they, they got a different vision now and they pretty much decided that after a lot of the movie was pretty much done and filmed and they were in post-production so with that being said it's so hard to say if the original film was going to be a good one without knowing because it was going to be in a totally different direction now outside of that on a little bit more particulars about the film i would say there was there was no concern in this film about 
how it played into a larger role. And I love that. I, I It wasn't so caught up. Sure, there was a few instances about Joker, mostly about Superman and a couple other little things that le- showed you they were definitely in that same world of the same characters. But it wasn't like, hey, we got to set up for a sequel. We, we got to make sure we tie in all these other films. It was just, let's have fun in this film. Who cares? This might be the only one that we ever make. We can drop a little tidbits for a teaser if we could ever do a follow-up, but it wasn't like it was focused on sequels. And I think that's another piece that really helped in its success was to tell a complete story all together. Yeah, for sure. I can agree with you on that. Now, where I come in is I think where DC or how DC succeeded with this film versus the 2016 version is a consistent narrative lens. So how we, the audience, get to see the story unfold. So from the beginning of 2016, you're basically introduced to six or seven characters through these little flashbacks with like little title cards being like, this is Deadshot. He does this. He's this tall. This is his rap sheet and it's X amount of long. And you get like this little snippet of one of each of their like crimes or something that they did but in this film you open the film to Michael Rooker's character and you just follow him through this completely bizarre and strange explanation of characters and you get to see the first bit of the movie from his lens where the battle on the beach is horrible you get to see everything through his lens like he's the one looking at it so the action on the beach is terrifying you get to see how bizarre tdk which nathan filling in a movie again thank you but yeah you get to see everything through his lens which i thought was great and then once he dies spoiler alert you get to switch over to blood sports point of view and then you follow him through the rest of the movie and i think having a consistent narrative lens to view for the audience is important to follow one or two characters throughout the entire movie sure you have other important characters throughout but it's very important for an audience to have one consistent perspective on the story as a whole in order to make you care about all the different characters their motivations what they're fighting for what they're afraid of and just how they're going to get through said mission and i think this film pulls it off masterfully in the sense of Bloodsport. You get to follow him. He's exactly like Deadshot from the first movie. He's a father who has a daughter on the outside, but their relationship's totally different. Instead of it being a daughter who cares overly a lot, it's a daughter who despises despises him. And you actually get to see the care that he has for his daughter that isn't reciprocated and how he wants to fight to keep her safe. It's that fatherly love that you didn't get to see in Deadshot. After Deadshot went away from his daughter, that was it. You didn't really hear much about it until like the end of the movie so i think a consistent narrative lens was what won this movie yeah and sometimes that's a challenge because when you start introducing a lot of characters you can only tell so much of a story for each character and i mean obviously we've already let there be a spoiler warning the the intro killed off a shit ton of people so <laughs> that's already a piece of that right there and we we don't know too much of their story but at the same time it's as you're creating a story like this i think it's part of being a genius move is that you do choose certain characters to tell more of a story with and you make sure to choose one that the audience will enjoy and i think it was smart to do Bloodsport because of the things he accomplished, how great of a character he was displayed on screen, but also choosing the actor that they chose. I know and feel confident when they chose Idris Elba to be in this position, they knew he he could carry that kind of character and the audience would pretty much fall in love with him. And it worked out. Yeah. What do you think, Regent? 
Cookie literally took everything I wanted to say and put it out there. And you did as well. So like Bloodsport, the directional focus of his character and arc throughout the whole movie. He was probably the best character to choose from because they already tried with 2016 with Rick Flagg as trying to be the forced leader of the group. Yeah, obviously under the command of Waller. And that did not really work out. So this was a great change of direction. And like you said about picking Idris Alba and the type of role and character he could put into the only way that he can. That was probably one of the better parts of the movie for me. Next to a certain somebody I couldn't see, but just saw a giant piece of uniform walking around yelling at people. Oh, we're going to get to him. I have a few questions about him for you guys. Yeah, I, I think they did a really good job at casting Idris Elba in this particular role, especially after the train wreck that was Heimdall. I enjoyed Heimdall as a character in Norse mythology, but I think in Marvel, they just mishandled him. They just didn't give him enough to do. They didn't give him enough weight. The only time he did anything of importance is when he stopped the Dark Elves from you know entering Asgard, but he stopped one of many ships from coming in. And then in the end, or in the beginning of infinity war when he transported the hulk to earth and then promptly died so it was good to see him in a role where he got to do so much more we got to see more of his acting potentials and chops flushed out so i really enjoyed him yeah, and one of the artistic decisions they've made early on, they kind of wanted him to replace Deadshot because of whole Will Smith and sometimes his schedule. But someone came up with the idea of using a different character, which obviously it turned out to be Bloodsport. And I think that was also another great move is that now we don't have to try to compare performances because it is now open that they both can be in the same movie at some point, Deadshot and Bloodsport. And it would be brutal if they had to go head to head, but I wouldn't doubt it might happen at some point and i would love to see that see peacemaker deadshot and Bloodsport go at it oh fuck yeah <laughs> i could be like the second or the third suicide squad film i'd be completely fine with that mexican standoff Doom. i thought they did a really good job at introducing each and every individual characters especially like the first team how they just introduce you on the go they didn't spend too much time on the ones that weren't gonna really make it past the beach and I thought that was really good that they're just like, oh, this is Javelin, this is Blackguard, this is Weasel, and yep, this is your team. You didn't need much more than that in order to be like, okay, this is the Suicide Squad, cool. And you could move on, they died, and then when it was time for the team that you'd be spending more time with, you got to know them a little better. Like, right off the bat, you got to see King Shark just be like, I read books, so smart me. Just, ah, I love King Shark so much. But then you got to see the banter between Bloodsport and Peacemaker, and then you got Got to see Ratcatcher being very sleepy individual, and then Sebastian, the cutest rat known to mankind. I thought it was really well done that they chose not to flush out each and every individual character unless they were super important to the plot, which the second team they spent a lot more time with. So I thought that was really interesting choice, but it worked out very well. And even then, it was almost like a priority scale because even with the team that we essentially followed, not everybody got the same amount of attention, which I think it was still a good move. It was kind of like they knew who the audience would probably favor more towards, and that's who they gave the most time because like Ratcatcher 2, she definitely got, I would say, probably the second most information about her history. They actually even did flashbacks, but not everybody got flashbacks, like the polka dot guy. He didn't get a flashback. But he pretty much kept saying stuff about his mom. And then he gave like a quick one one minute explanation of what happened. And that worked for him. I, I didn't need to have a flashback of like his mom doing experiments and all that kind of stuff. I got just enough that I cared about him to the extent that I needed to. And I also think that was just very good writing is that instead of giving everyone equal chunks, which I think that's kind of 
how the 2016 did was everybody had to have this full length backstory and it was the same amount of time except for obviously the two people harley quinn and deadshot but in this one you know everybody depending on your priority i, I would almost say likability too <laughs> is that that's how how much backstory they gave you yeah, I would say so. And I think the characters that they chose, they knew what they were doing. With Bloodsport, you had the emotional ties, but also just the badass moments to follow. And then with Peacemaker, he's like the exact rival. He does the exact same thing as me, which I love those memes. But then King Shark, everyone, I think James Gunn knew right off the bat, everyone was going to love King Shark. And the fact that it's played by Sylvester Stallone just makes it so much better to me for some reason. Yeah. And then Ratcatcher. I know the exact reason why everyone loves Ratcatcher, and I want to get to that at a later point. And it goes back to that narrative lens I talked about. And then Polka Dot. I think everyone liked him because he was a character that just couldn't really like himself, and some people could relate to some of the things he said. So they chose a good roster of people and good actors to play said characters. How do you feel about how they introduce the different teams, Regent? I'm happy to see the ones that were able to stay around and survive. I was kind of upset with two that were killed off, and I get why. Technically three I'm actually upset with. But I also really did like that they did push Peacemaker Providence as an equivalent to Bloodsport. And both of them were like, hey, this is a game of one-upsmanship. Anything you can do, I can do better. But then King Shark being the, the laughable like character that he was in the movie, and for those who have seen it, I may have not been a fan of Ratcatcher, but that's also because I wasn't familiar with the character, so that's on me for not getting enough backstory on it. Well, you could argue from a filmmaking standpoint, you don't need to always be doing research before you watch a film. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like you said earlier, like you don't need to have like a five minute background, like up to speed of every character like the first Suicide Squad did. And that really drug the movie through the mud real fast. Well, I feel like they, they did give her, I would say she probably had the second most detailed story of everyone. Now, I'm I'm not bringing that up to argue with you. I was more of pointing out that if you feel as though they didn't do it adequate, I would actually like to know why. That's just with me not knowing her comic background. So I didn't, I was just taking everything as the movie was presenting it in itself. Where do you feel they were lacking then from a movie standpoint? Because you should be able to watch a movie without having to read a comic book. True, but that's also me being hard on myself growing up reading a lot of comics and wanting to be up to date with every character that's coming out and being put to film. So I think I'm I'm pretty sure I just overdid it to myself versus just going to move like, oh hey, a new character. I should go back and check this character out and, and read more about it. I really I really had nothing to say about what they were lacking on. I think it's just more me not I think I underprepared myself by not knowing the character, but I also may have overdone it by not being prepared. Like I don't I don't know how to put it. I wanted to go in knowing the character, but okay, cool, this is the character portrayal. These are the things that are very similar to the comic awesome cool they did the character right i went in not knowing who this character was and was trying to pick up pieces i'm like okay well i'll figure it out later that's kind of that was just my own undoing that's fair that's the only reason why i was checking is because there's going to be a significant portion of the audience that won't go back to read up the character and also didn't know about the character beforehand and that's why i was interested in that perspective of it because that's something you do have to do when you're making movies is not put so much homework assignment on someone viewing Right. And I think this movie handled the unknown characters well, because if you really look at the roster of DC characters that they used, they didn't really use anyone super notable besides potentially Harley Quinn and Polka Dot Man. I think most people just know Polka Dot Man because he's a, that one strange villain who legitimately throws polka dots at people and King Shark because he was in The Flash. But if he wasn't in The Flash, I don't think most people would know him. I can agree with you on that. Yeah. 
and I would have to argue for Bloodsport being an alt to Deadshot. So that's also my that's my knowledge of the comic book character. Right. And you're someone who's more into comics. But if you say to an average moviegoer who's just in it because it's a good action film and the director directed Guardians of the Galaxy, they went to see it because of James Gunn or they went to see it because of Harley Quinn. Most people aren't going to know these characters. And so I'm also curious as to why some people would feel like they had to do character preparation to understand the movie a little bit better. I can understand you because you're a big fan of knowing the characters and knowing motivations and who they are in the comics. But I'm curious to know if anyone listening to this podcast currently did any sort of research on these characters before watching the movies just so you could understand. If that's you, just let us know on any of our social media platforms. They are linked below. So just click see more. You'll see the social media platforms there. Go ahead and just let us know if you were one of the people who did research on these characters either before or after the film. So go ahead and do that. I'm actually happy how we kind of have a like a little bit separation on how we all view things because I purposely did no research. And to be honest, that was before and after because I kind of was not going to, I was definitely 50-50 with the film, like I said earlier. But because of that, I knew nothing going in just to make sure to clarify that part. Uh, the best I did know was, you know, Harley Quinn and then Idris Elba was going to be in it. And there was a couple people I remember seeing from the 2016 one. So I was like, is this a sequel or this? is a redo I, I had no idea and i purposely wanted to go in blind and i would have to say they did a really good job because a i don't feel like i needed to watch the 2016 first of all that needs to be covered is that you don't need to see it sure there's some kind of funny jabs at it but otherwise you don't need to see any other film this can be your only viewing this could be your only comic book movie and it still works and for them to have such off-the-wall characters for me they're off the wall because they don't seem normal from what i've seen growing up and stuff like that they did a really good job of portraying them on the screen and this is coming from someone that i do understand comic books and i do have a history of it but i knew almost no one about that was in the movie especially the villain we got to get to that at some point i knew shit about the villain and that that was still a fun villain to watch on the screen it's not my favorite villain by no mean but it was still fun to watch it there's like three things I want to cover about the villain slash villains of the movie. So are we good to transition to that? Because there's some stuff I want to talk Yeah, about. you got like 50 items. You only have so much time. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get going. Okay, so Starro, the Conqueror. What a villain to choose a giant fucking starfish that spawns out little Satan babies that attach to people's faces and controls them. Huh. I read one comic book after watching this movie with Starro where he takes on the Justice League. And I gotta say, he's just as whack there than he is in the movie and for some reason I didn't mind it in this movie that we had a giant starfish as a villain and I didn't hate it there's something underlying to the starfish villainry that we will talk about very shortly here but I want to see if you guys noticed it why most people didn't care about having a giant starfish but before we get to that what was your guys thoughts on Starro? At least for me, you're giving me too much credit on my thoughts on certain scenarios that you have going on. <laughs> Why do people sticky use note this? time? <laughs> yes, this is one of our sticky note podcasts. <laughs> I know for me, I when I saw the commercial, I kind of pieced together that that was going to be a starfish because they kept showing little tidbits of it. And once I watched it, I think it was perfect because it was like a balance of humor versus something scary. Because I legitimate felt fear in the movie for the characters, and honestly 
honestly earth <laughs> because i was thinking i was like man if something like that was to exist that is scary as hell because at first you want to laugh you're like ah it's a big starfish but then when you saw it just sucking people's faces and taking them over it was like oh shit this thing's a real deal <laughs> and and that's why i liked how they did it was a balance of both sides from something you wouldn't picture as a great threat especially for a spongebob fans and patrick star but they handled it really well and i liked how they defeated the enemy as well I understand the wackiness behind the character. I get it because it's supposed to be the zaniness of the, Su the Suicide Squad and what they all have, what they all bring to the table. Alternatively, fun fact, sorry, Cookie, I'm, I'm being you to the puncher a little bit early. Originally, the villain was supposed to be Superman, but they just didn't know with Warner Brothers how that was going to go about and whether or not they were going to maintain the reign they were seeking. Wow, that would have been overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But as Star of the Conqueror, he's one of few villains that uses the control technique of spawning spores to take over people as hosts to make himself more powerful. There's very few villains that try to do something like that. Everyone, a lot of villains are very much in themselves, or they have a gang of people that they verbally, physically, emotionally manipulate to do their bidding. This character flies says, nope, here's a piece of me sticking to you. Cool. You're my body. If my piece leaves you, you're dead. So you're good as dead the moment I collect you. That was basically the gist of its superpower a nutshell but also the zaniness of the character in itself yeah that was one of the things i wanted to talk about was the latter half that you mentioned where it's like where if you take it off your face you're dead that part where the thinker which i keep wanting to call him devoe because of the flash version of the thinker from the tv show i want to call him devoe but he's just the thinker in this which confusing but that was like straight horror movie shit and like cookie said it was like legitimately like terrifying to like the scale of what this thing could do and then the experiments on top of it were just legitimately scary to watch and one of the times i was watching this in the theaters a parent had taken their kid to see it and when they had gotten to that part the kid started like crying and they had to leave the theater oh wow yeah so this was a legitimately actually terrifying villain that yeah it's whack but whew, those experiments hit hard any thoughts on that whole ordeal where they ex they were talking about the experiments and how that all went about it was messed up. I didn't really put too much thought into that piece of it, to be honest. Is there like some hidden meaning behind it or something that you had noticed? Because to me, it was just more of just explanation of the story and to make us kind of hate certain characters more and, and to root for the uh, protagonist. It leads into the whole idea, which if you guys don't have anything further to say on Starro, that leads into the second villain of the film, which is the U.S. government. This movie called out the U.S. government in a very subtle way. Sure, they flat out said like, yeah, the U.S. government was involved in this and they tried to hide it. But not only did the U.S. government find Starro and then bring it down to Earth, they were directly involved with these experiments. And sure, this is this is very much fiction and this is not applicable to the real world so if the fbi or whatever is listening to this podcast i'm not accusing you of anything so don't come and get me but i think it was very interesting that an american film chose to make one of its main villains the u.s government slash military it's not something you see very often in american filmmaking where america is the bad guy I would disagree. It's not the majority, but I feel like we we've had a good chunk of movies where it showed that. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's on full display. Even for this film, I don't feel like it was on full display. The seriousness of what they were doing, sure, was heightened up very large to be a villain, but it wasn't like where you're talking about. It's the second villain in the film. 
I think it's more than one of those things where you have to put the pieces together to really put America on it. So you could still also argue that too, is that it wasn't like it was just flat out, America is the villain, let's put them as the bad guy. It was one of those things where... It's an indirect villain. Yes. Yeah, there you go. And I feel like there has been films like that. If I had more time, I, d- I didn't know that kind of item was going to show up, but I probably could put a list together of certain films where, yeah, definitely America was the villain, even though it's an American movie. I think the concern comes into kind of where you're touching on is how far you try to show it. Because you can also kind of put them as the villain in a humorous kind of way. And that's kind of how I saw it in this. I saw it kind of in a humorous kind of way where, sure, the government did that kind of messed up stuff, but it was also kind of like, like ironic that's why it was humorous for me in some sense it was ironic it was like you guys did all this and yet you guys also did some fucked up stuff like right i think me and you took that two different ways and i think that's good for sake of conversation i took it as you're working for the people who actually funded this and that was something that the thinker had said is like my experiments aren't just run by me or the people of the country i forget what country it is please forgive me but it was u.s run and i took that a bit more seriously especially when rick flag got involved and how he's like all gun-ho about like we need to expose this we need to make sure that the people know what happened here and what the government did he's like i serve my country but i didn't sign up to be their pawn and i think i took that with a little bit more seriousness to where it was like a heavyweight thing to where it's not just these experiments that are horrible but it's the people who are involved in trying to stop this project make sure it gets shut down and destroy it all they're pawns and they're playing into that exact same plan or that exact same experiment they're guilty by association almost this is where I go into your office, take off a couple of post-it notes, and I'll be like, let's not go that deep, fam. <laughs> Let me go that deep. I don't get or to go that deep. Don't often. involve me. <laughs> <laughs> don't involve me in your deep thinking of this. Get a giant whiteboard, some printed pictures, some string and thumbtacks, and just go to town. Please. <laughs> This is where I stop the recording tape and I'm like, bruh, <laughs> stop being recorded saying this. Say this somewhere else. <laughs> All right, back to where we left off. <laughs> now, I, I think that's a very interesting way to look at it. And I could definitely see it from that standpoint, but I did not want to think past a certain point of a fictional piece of work like this. Oh, right, right. I I don't want to start thinking that this is a political film or this is a film that has a hidden message behind it. I rather just enjoy it. And to be honest, my history with some of these movies, when it comes to pointing out America as the bad guy, they do it as like a punchline. It's like a joke. And that's the way I took it as this one is like you said, that's how we looked at it differently. I took it as a joke because, yeah, they've showcased different things where it's like the government comes in and they wipe all witnesses so that no one knows. And this is all part of a secret it's it's not like it's new and i guess that's why for me it was it was a interesting plot twist that worked well because you kind of saw both sides of american people you saw the the peacemaker where he's like once again the irony the peacemaker yeah he's killing all these people (laughs) it's like yeah you're making peace as long as everyone's dead there is peace and quiet yeah you're right (laughs) and then you had rick which is the american poster boy but yet he wasn't too diehard for the country he's like i still believe that there's a great or good and that's what i want to fight for and yeah and it's unfortunate that he died and once again i thought that was ironic because i was like i wonder how many times this has happened (laughs) 
Yeah, like I'm not saying that this movie is a political call out against actual real life government, but I just think it was interesting that that was sort of showcased in the movie. It's not something I've seen before. I'm not saying it's never been done in the history of film, but as far as me, I've never really seen a movie that's calling out its own audience per se or but yeah I, I thought it was interesting but third ish villain being thinker slash the people of the country that they were in I, again i forget the name i'm so sorry corto maltese there you go not a real place you're okay cool even better but yeah i thought it was interesting that they had so many different threats that were looming throughout the film you had the army that was after him the government that was after him and then you had the thinker and then you had of course starro and then of course you had that indirect villain being u.s government so i thought it was really good that you always had a layer of a threat once they got past the, the soldiers it then became the thinker and trying to get the thinker into the place and he was sort of a very not really villainous he just sort of went along with everything but he was still not on the good people side per se and then of course starro being the final villain so i thought it was really good that they wove in a lot of different obstacles and threats that they had to go through in order to actually finish the mission now i like to kind of shift focus right quick if you don't mind let's talk about favorite characters i know we all talked about bloodsport but outside of bloodsport who's some standout characters for you all i mean had i actually seen what he looked like i would say peacemaker explain we would like to know why you chose peacemaker uh you don't get the meme reference i made no i i think he gets the john cena you can't see me meme, but he wants to know why you choose peacemaker as a favorite character oh absolutely i just loved his actual his shtick and who he his character is he literally is the what if captain america was a absolute asshole like that's basically what his character was and that's what gun told john cena to focus his character on he originally wanted to be a military like full metal jacket type drill instructor and he's like whoa no no i just need you to be a douchey captain america that went that was in a fraternity he's like oh all right i can easily do that <laughs> And it, it worked fantastically. Like their humor worked off very well when Cena isn't being overly serious as an actor and just lets him be himself passively. He comes across as moderately entertaining. I would have to say my favorite would be King Shark for sure. Definitely because fantastic. And then it would have to be Ratcatcher. So and I can explain both of those. So reason I like King Shark, one, he's adorable and he tries so hard to be nice and he just wants to eat things and be happy and have friends. So very easy to like. Ratcatcher, on the other hand, has a little bit of stuff to do with it. I thought the character motivation of, you know, father died and she wanted to go on and live the life that her father wanted for her and actually succeed in America but of course couldn't quite make it I would say the habits or tendencies that her father passed on to her actually ended up landing her in jail and seeing her develop throughout the film learning to be a part of something bigger and being willing to put your life on the line for what they considered to be right by getting that hard drive out and making sure that that got exposed to the proper people and just getting to see the interactions between Ratcatcher and Bloodsport together really helped emotional attachment and and interest in her character as a whole. And of course, Sebastian, the little rat, I think is great. I definitely want like a buddy cop movie between Ratcatcher and King Shark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then of course, there's that moment where he tries to eat her. You always have to have that moment. But he doesn't want to eat friends anymore. I was bawling out laughing. <laughs> oh boy, I had her up there like a snack. <laughs> Damn millennials. <laughs> what about you, Cookie? Who are your favorite characters? 
after Bloodsport, because he's definitely carried the movie for me big time, before I get the hate, I actually have to admit Harley Quinn was my second favorite. But this is very important to explain. I have not cared for her any other time. I grew up liking Harley Quinn as a character because I grew up watching Batman animated series. Yes. Yeah, and then the Batman game. So I definitely have a love for Harley Quinn in those things. But when it came to the 2016 Suicide Squad, she just drove me nuts. I haven't given Birds of Prey a chance yet, but I I feel like I've just seen too much of her. In this one, they balanced it really well for me. I feel like she was still true to her character, and she still got a good amount of screen time, but it never felt overdone. And her humor was freaking awesome in this film, because I loved it when they went to try to save her, and she comes around the corner, and she's like, like, well, I mean, I can go back inside. We can do it all over again. Like, that's one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the movie. You see it coming, too. That's the sad part. It's like, you know it's coming, and yet it still lands really well. And that's part of a large chunk of the reason why I liked her is that one. So to clarify, it wasn't like I'm like, Harley Quinn fan all the way. Like, this was the first movie she's been in that I was like, okay, I do like her. I do like a lot of the, the B squad or the A squad. I don't know which one we're going to call a team two or whatever. The squad that the movie focused on. I pretty much liked everybody in it. The other person person that stood out for me that I do want to chat about, which I'm actually liking how we kind of got this all spread out, is because it's Polka Dot Guy. For me, it was because of how freaking weird he was. I can enjoy when a film can give you something so different, someone so strange, and for it to work well. And I think he did because he was quirky. You felt sorry for the guy. It never felt like it was too pushy about feeling sorry for him. Because you're like, oh gosh, this, this dude's really fucking weird. <laughs> and yet he had such a killer ability, but he also was kind of i know i brought up the word weird but his ability was just strange as well <laughs> because you just never knew with this guy is he gonna explode with polka dots one day or so many questions i had about the guy and i'm glad to not have all the answers because i do feel like we got to see the total story with him oh my gosh i had a gut busting laughter whenever they showed his view and it's his mom and different especially the big Starro, yes. <laughs> it was his mom, <laughs> and he's like <laughs> attacking. It's your mom, attack her. You know, it was like it was messed up. It was so funny. It really sucked to see him die. Even at the very end, I was like, please have some way he survived, and he didn't. And I have to give great movie telling where you can give me someone weird like that, and I hate that he died in the movie, and I'm just wishing he could come back. That's just good storytelling for me. And that proved how well that character was played on screen to have me wanting more of him. Shit, man, I hate that he died. Like, I actually feel he deserved to live, especially for everything he went through and the sacrifice he's made. Yeah, I think that the polka dot man was actually really well done. I did enjoy him. I just didn't enjoy him as much as the two I listed or Bloodsport because badass. But yeah, that's why he had to be separated from the conversation. <laughs> the funny thing is, is we recently did an episode on Loki and how that sort of spoiler alert for Loki opened the multiverse and the actor who played Polka Dot Man, David, he was in The Dark Knight. He was in Gotham. He was in Ant-Man. He was in Flash. He was in batman the long halloween which is an animated dc movie and the suicide squad so he's been in a lot of superhero stuff over the years yeah and he has an interesting story for anyone listening to, to check that out oh yeah also during the production of this movie they found a he found a stray cat you can look up his instagram and he found a cat during the production of this movie and he kept it and the costume designer of the movie made the cat a little polka dot man costume yeah <laughs> i love that so much i've actually have seen that 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 made its way around social media and i enjoyed that as well that was pretty cool for 
I did mention one thing earlier that I just want to circle back to real quick about why people may have gotten invested into Ratcatcher and why I got invested into Ratcatcher, which is that narrative I talked about earlier, focusing through Bloodsport. This will be my final note on the film. We follow Bloodsport throughout the entire film, and once we hear about his story with his father and how he locked him in like a little box and with rats, you get to hear her story through his lens and how he cares for his daughter you sort of she sort of becomes like a surrogate daughter to him in a way to where he cares about her now because of her story and how her father failed her and his relation to his daughter where he feels like he failed his daughter so you get these two emotions that sort of clash against each other that makes the audience invested in that character more so if you go back and watch this movie if you pay attention to when you start to like rat catcher a little bit more than you had before it's probably around that moment okay that actually does make sense i will admit i started to like her more without picking up on it and that's why that makes sense to me is for that reason because yeah near the end of the film i mean let's go ahead and give sebastian his fucking credit because he saved the world hell yeah sebastian <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I love just how non-traditional a lot of things are in this film because, I mean, look at when they were infiltrating and they killed all those people infiltrating and then come to find out that was the actual rebels. Oh. <laughs> like, I felt so bad. I was like, oh, damn. But it, that's what it was meant to be. It's such a, It was meant to be a dark humor, a dark type of laugh, and it hit home. It was like, oh my gosh, this is that's fucked up. But it was funny. <laughs> no one likes to show off unless what they're showing off is cool as fuck. Fuck, he's right. Fuck, he's right. I love that. <laughs> Just, yeah, uh, it's too real. Now that's a meme moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so many memes from this movie, and I think that's one of my favorite besides like the, wait a minute, he does the exact same thing as me. So those are like my two favorite memes where he's like, fuck, he's right. Oh, man. This movie all around was very solid. From a cinematic standpoint, I'd easily give this movie an eight, and I'd actually tie that with uh, watching experience as well. So eight overall for me out of 10. I would have to agree. I would say eights on both accounts. And I would agree as well. I do want to expand on one of the things that I really enjoyed, which is the visuals. I am excited to get this on 4K because I saw it in theaters, but there's definitely something about the 4K visuals that really pop out when you see it at home. And the colors, the details, there's just so much visually that is phenomenal about this film. And they purposely did, as you can see in the marketing materials, they chose a different type of color scheme. And I think it worked really well. And that's one of the things that whenever I think about this movie, I think about the colors and how they pop out and once again i know we keep bragging about Bloodsport, but his costume looks fucking awesome just being straight about that i don't know if i could ever cosplay as him but that would be already my one of my first things i would ever try to attempt to dress as because his weapons of how functional they were things like that that is the other thing about this movie that i really liked is not only set design but costume design for the most part for most of the characters so all in all i do agree eight out of ten for me all around all right, well, Regent of Cookie, thank you very much for joining me for this episode covering The Better Suicide Squad. Thank you, listeners, and please continue supporting our episodes. All of our episodes are available on Spotify and also now on Audible and Amazon Music. Yeah, and it's been fun. Such a great film. Anyone listening, check it out. Oh, yes, please do. If you're a fan of DC or even action movies in general, definitely go give this a watch. It's fun. Also, fuck the new upcoming Peacemaker show. I don't want to watch that shit. Oh, I'm going to it. I'm going to make you talk about it. We're going to have this. Oh, we're doing it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> it's two out of three already.
All right. Thank you, listeners, for listening. If you do want us to cover the Peacemaker TV show coming up, let us know by emailing us directly below. If I see one email about asking us to cover the 2016 Suicide Squad movie, I'm just going to delete them. So just don't do it. But thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy a like, share, review on any platform you happen to listen to a podcast on, is greatly appreciated. Another free way to support the podcast is to tell a friend. Telling a friend is an absolutely free way to support the podcast. It's actually one of the best ways to do so because people get to hear about how much you like the show so go ahead and do so if you enjoy our content but just know your listenership is more than enough for us so thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed and i hope you have a wonderful day thanks bye